Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. It is so good to be with you. We're going to just stay in 1 Corinthians. Uh, the lectionary is carrying us right on through. Um, and I, I felt like there was something in that passage uh, in a recent episode, actually the last one we recorded, uh, around division. And th- this is a, a similar theme because Paul is actually writing the same letter to the same group of people. So I'm going to read from verse, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, beginning in verse 1. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now you're not ready, for there you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh, and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I ask you to help us to think about growth. I pray that you would help us to think about and maybe name the places uh, where we are stuck. I pray, God, that we would hear the wisdom in St. Paul and that we would apply what you would say through him to our own lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there are just a few things that I feel like are really uh, significant and important for us as we think about growth. And the first one is Paul using the term, you're mere infants. Um, what he's saying here is y'all have been Christians for a while now and you haven't progressed. You're stuck. And I wonder, you know, as we look at our own lives, oftentimes if we're honest, we would say, I don't think I'm progressing. I'm not growing like I want to grow. In that sense, it's very easy for me to identify with um, these early Christians. Paul actually in this passage uses two words, fleshy and fleshly. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being fleshy. It's just like a fat baby, um, squishy little fat baby. Uh, Fleshly is you shouldn't be a baby, but you still are. You're not growing. You're worldly. You're not changing. You're stuck. And I think that the key for us is to recognize that being a baby, being immature is never a sin persisting in immaturity is where the sin comes in. To lack something is not a sin. But when we willfully or we persistently lack, when there are opportunities given to us for growth, that's where we become trapped, stuck. That's where sin comes in. So I think the question for many of us is to ask, where am I stuck? Also, where am I growing? Where am I progressing? Where am I less squishy than I was just a year ago? My mind, when I think of squishy or soft, goes to an old Paul Simon song uh, from his uh, Graceland album, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. He says of, of his life, he says, why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. <laughs> and that's the way it works, isn't it? Oftentimes the soft places in me um, emerge and become more problematic when life is hard, when life is difficult. So where 
is the circumstantial difficulty of life revealing a part of you that is squishy when it really shouldn't be squishy, that's stuck, childish even. I think that's been a way for me to look at my life. Where do I feel like a little child? And sometimes the way you know that you have some little child parts is just to evaluate whether childish behavior comes out of you when you're in difficulty. So here's some things that I think uh, are good to reflect on because really at the end of the day, what Paul's talking about here is maturation. Uh, to mature is just to progress, to, to incrementally mature. And I'm just going to give you six characteristics of maturing people. And um, just know, as I say these things, um, some of this hits some of the squishy parts in me and makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So I'm not coming to you as an expert here as a fully mature person. Just ask my family members, my close friends. Uh, there are places where I'm pretty squishy in the middle. Uh, but here's some signs or some characteristics of maturing people, growing people. Number one, maturing people tend to see besetting sins lose their hold. So like the brightness of sin, uh, childish behavior, um, it begins to lose its grip. And so if you find yourself less interested in acting out in childish behavior or selfish behavior or certain sinful patterns, that's a sign of maturation. Doesn't mean you're perfect, it just means you're growing. Number two, maturing people are able to self-regulate. Um, they're able to recognize sinful coping mechanisms and see them for what they are. So like I think food, pornography, our cell phones, um, they are able increasingly to recognize patterns of a lack of regulation and then begin to move toward choosing uh, self-regulation. Thirdly, maturing people place fewer demands on other people. Uh, and this is a big one, especially if you tend to be enmeshed or codependent. Um, we can oftentimes require people to do for us what we could do for ourselves emotionally or even practically. As you mature, you should learn how to be uh, alone with yourself. Um, this is something the Lord's been working on um, inside of me for the last number of years. Embracing solitude is a, is a step and a part of the maturation process for me. Learning how to be alone, which actually connects to that one I just mentioned about self-regulation. If you can learn to be alone without feeling sorry for yourself, without feeling uh, lonely, cut off, isolated, which then stirs up all kinds of other things, solitude is a gift. And maturing people learn how to place fewer demands on other people, and they learn how to self-regulate through that. And solitude is a fruit of that. Um, number four, maturing people are able to accept responsibility for their actions more readily. They're less inclined to make excuses. Um, I remember in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which I bet you didn't think that movie would be referenced in here at Renewing the Center. Um, somebody said to Pee Wee, um, essentially, if you say the word but in a sentence, like, I'm sorry, but, that you can forget everything that was said before. And the woman actually said, everybody's got a big butt, Pee Wee. What's yours? <laughs> so I want to encourage you, as you look for maturity in your life, to learn how to simply just take responsibility for your actions, good or bad. Make sentence statements like, I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong and refrain from the but. Maturing people are able to accept more responsibility for their actions. Now we won't do that perfectly, but that's a goal and it's a sign of maturity. Number five, maturing people are increasingly able to receive hard truth. 
are able to hear people say, this is how I experience you. They actually are able, maturing people, to solicit feedback, uh, to actually ask people how they are experienced by them. Maturing people are able to hear, hear hard things even. And finally, maturing people are able to organize their lives in a way that is conducive to flourishing. Um, I think this would get at some of what Paul's saying. Maturing people are able to recognize the squishy parts of them and then begin to live in such a way that they become incrementally less squishy. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to think about the places in your life where you're stuck. And I want to encourage you, rather than just simply feel ashamed when you think about those stuck places, because we all have them. All of us are stuck in one way or another. All of us are squishy beyond our time in one place or another in our lives. So I want you to begin to kindly look at your life and say, where am I stuck? And then I want you to begin to think about what maturation looks like. And those things that I named can actually be helpful because they give us a sense of, oh, I'm going to refrain from defensiveness because I know that ultimately I want to be the kind of person who isn't defensive. It begins to move us step by step, bit by bit, into being less squishy. One of the things that I think Paul was really calling these Corinthian Christians to do was to learn how to look at their lives and recognize where the, where the work of God needed to come to bear. And for me, the work of God always comes in the squishy places. It always comes in the places where I'm uh, less free than I want to be. Let's see if I want to say something else. Well, I guess I will. In this context, as Paul's talking about fleshiness, stuckness, he, he's referencing jealousy and relational strife. And I would argue that for you and me, just like it was for our friends in the ancient Corinthian church, if you want to look for squishy places, look for where there's some adversity, some difficulty, some strife in your relationships, and begin to recognize that that probably constitutes the place of invitation for you to begin to ask God to meet you and grow you and press into you. And the key is just whether we'll look in the mirror when God holds the mirror up in front of us. He's got a good mirror. He wants us to see reality. He just actually wants us to say, God, I'm willing to work with you and look in that mirror and see where you're asking me to grow. God bless you. Go in peace. I pray that you would note your squishiness and you would begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you become incrementally less squishy. God bless you. See you soon.